hey, you know what? I'm not going to make a big change overnight, but give me about 30, maybe 60 days of just let me just follow through with these little tiny habits first. Let me build that trust with myself. And then I get what Darren Hardy calls the big mo, which is big momentum. And that's what I'm looking for. But it starts with the little snowball. Just it takes some effort to push down the hill at first and then let that gain momentum. And then before you know it, you have like it takes about 90 days to really build that strong trust in yourself and to really follow through with your word. But in order to start following through, you got to start with the very, very small things. This is Super Fast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Rambo here. Welcome back to Super Fast Business. This is episode 809 and interesting topic today. We're going to be talking about follow through, getting things done. And there is an interesting side story to this. So first, I want to introduce my guest, Greg Santos. Welcome to the call. Thank you for having me here. Greg, interesting scenario here. You're on the show. This is a very unusual situation because we get asked by a lot of people to be on the show. And what my team do is generally they compile a spreadsheet and I look at it once a month and I go through everyone who asked to be on the show and I go through and they've already done their checks. They check things like their website, if they're relevant to our audience, if they have a good reputation online and so forth. And then I review it and I send them off and we get invites. In your case, you've gone completely around the entire system, and here you are. So I think it's worth talking about this because I literally, just in the call before this, had one of my own students say, listen, I think I need to be on a bunch of podcasts. What do you recommend these days? And I said, well, one thing is do not send the exact same email that seems to be sent by everybody, which is a standard template these days. It's basically a reference to the show, some kind of flattery, and then it's, you know, oh, by the way, I'd like to be on the show. Well, you actually came to me via social media. You started following me, you interacted a little bit, and then you sent me a voice message to which resulted in us scheduling this call. So I just want to put you on the spot a little bit and say, is it okay if I play that voice message? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do that because I think it explains a lot about how this episode happened. But also, it's on topic because here we are recording and it was initially just an idea of yours and now this is happening. So you've executed on a thought you've had and I think that's going to be core to the topic of this show. So with that in mind, let's play your outreach message, which came to me in a private message on Instagram. So let's get you up here. Hey, what's going on, James? Yo, I was looking at your podcast, Super Fast Business. Really incredible, just the consistency that you've had with this podcast and how many episodes you have up. And, you know, you talk about, you know, business strategy and team building and then productivity, really amazing things, man. Uh, Just out of curiosity, have you ever had somebody on that just talks about like the foundations of follow through, like how to actually follow through and finish what you start? You know, I see a lot of people, and this is me personally, you know, a few years back where you'd invest in course after course, strategy after strategy, tip after tip, and then you can't make something stick for a long time. Um, I've been able to really distill that and teach that. Interested in, a, you know, something like that to your audience, I'd be more than happy to discuss even further. Of course, I distribute it to my audience and my list. You know, I really talk a lot to young entrepreneurs and I have a 5 a.m. call where I talk to entrepreneurs from literally all around the world. If that's something of interest to you, uh, just let me know. Okay, so let's break that down, Greg. Firstly, what was in your mind when you sent that off? And how many of these things are you doing as part of your strategy and how successful are they or not? You know, 
that strategy actually works fairly well because number one, you get to listen to my voice. Number two, I talk exactly about your podcast. And one thing that I'm always keeping in mind is, okay, I definitely don't want to make this 100% like me benefiting. So I made sure that I talked about things like, how are you going to benefit? Well, I do have an audience of young entrepreneurs and I do have a 5 a.m. call that I run every day where people from all around the world show up. And I definitely make sure that you win as well by me promoting it to my people. And I talk about something that you may not be solving for your audience. So that's my angle here. I'm like, well, we hear a lot about different things, but what might he not be solving right now? And how can I go in and help his audience out with that? So my two strategies, which I got from Pete Vargas, which is like, does he have an audience that I have? And number two, do I have a problem that I can solve for his audience? And how can I position it to where he wins as well? Okay. So the start of the email is very similar to the email template that goes around. It's the standard connection link up, sort of mild flattery, you get so many of those. There's only the rare one that says, hey, listen, I'll be straight up with you. I've never heard your podcast before, <laughs> right? I don't think people are listening to all the podcasts they're pitching, by the way. So this is very instructional for someone who wants to be on a podcast, which should be almost everyone listening to this. If you have a product or service and you want to get on podcasts and you want to approach podcasts like mine or others, then you need to have a different approach. But then the things you did well were you made it about my audience and I'm very passionate about my audience. I care so much about my audience. I'm not going to bring someone on the show unless they deliver value for my audience. That's the prerequisite. I'm not just publishing a show so that I can have ad roles. You'll notice on this show, there are no ad roles. I don't run ads on this show. So it's only about the audience. And then the final thing, and the thing that made it acceptable for me is that you promised to promote the episode. And that's a big deal because a lot of people want to take, it's worth a lot to be on this show. I'm, I'm not just showing off here, but when this show goes out, thousands of people listen to it. Like we have 65,000 people a month listening to this show. It will be beneficial for my guest. I've got other guests I can choose. I have a finite number of episodes. There are two episodes per week. So of that inventory of my time and energy, where's the big payoff? I want it to pay off for my audience. That is a prerequisite. If it's not good for my audience, it doesn't happen. But if it's also good for me and the show, if I can actually get my show in front of more audience, then that's good for the people who don't know my show exists, which you can help me with, with that offer. So breaking down your thing, instead of sending me a form templated email to my support desk, you send a personalized Instagram voicemail to my private Instagram account. And I know I'm going to get a bunch of private messages straight after this show comes out, right? Sure, it's possible you could do that. But now you've got to do something different because that's already been done. But the big thing is you connected with my audience and you connected with me. So well done. Now, getting onto the topic, follow through. I did look through your Instagram profile. I did watch some of your videos. I see what you're about. You're helping people with things like achieving their goals, working on why they're not getting the things they want. I want you to give me a one or two sentence background of Greg. Like you said in the voicemail that you were that person that wasn't getting things done. How did you go from that to being, I guess you've decided that this is where you want to put your expertise? Give us the rundown on that. 
yeah, you know, I invested in so many courses, you know, that Tony Robbins is day with destiny at 21 years old. Uh, you know, I've worked his only power within events, gone to see Grant Cardone, traveled and, you know, I'm 25 today and I've spent over $30,000 on my own self-education starting at the age of 19. But I, what I kept seeing is I kept falling off the wagon. I'd be excited and two or three weeks later, I'd be back to where I was and I, I was sick of it. And I couldn't figure out how to follow through and stay consistent. And the big change for me was I understood one thing that number one, when I turned 23, I was like, well, time is ticking. Like, I don't have all the time in the world to make my dreams really come true. And number two, from, you know, Jim Rohn, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And I found that my circle wasn't really ambitious and really invested in themselves. So I went out. I know it's a little bit longer than you expect. I'll stop it, you know, really very soon. I figured out a way to bring the right people around me. So we hold each other to a higher standard. And that's what was really helpful on top of other things. We can dive into that as well, if you like. That was really good. It wasn't too long at all. I think what you referred to is a very common phenomenon of this sort of spa bath self-development. There's definitely been criticisms of the people who promote self-help where people, they get it once and then they get addicted to it and they need it more and more and more. And they can't actually, you know, if it's so effective, why can't they just get the help and then it's fixed? And that always fascinated me. In fact, I think an upcoming guest I have on the show is one of the founding fathers of this industry. There's been an entire book written criticizing that aspect of it. And I've definitely heard it about Anthony Robbins before. Now, whether you love him or hate him, people say, you know, you get all hyped up and you walk on your fire and then you go home and then life just sort of sucks you back in again and, and away you go. And you really segued nicely into how you can fix that. And that is to not be sucked back into the old life by having a new environment. Environment seems to be extremely important. I certainly noticed that. And I can relate to your journey. I'm literally twice your age, right? So you're at my half-life. When I was your age, I'd already got married and I had my first son at 25 and I was the top performer in the whole country in a sales role, but I was definitely under the pump. I was under pressure to perform. And that's about the first time I started learning about guys like Anthony Robbins and even better for me, the real gift in Tony Robbins was nothing to do with Tony Robbins. It was the fact that he had a support speaker or a side act come to town called Jay Abraham. And that guy was the one I resonated with. And I went down that path. So really fascinating to see. The good news for you is I think you're actually in your pre-prime at the moment where you're going to run up into your real prime, which will actually probably happen in your 30s. And you know your 30s is where you really hit the strides. And then your 40s, you start to lock it in. And then after that is actually when most people make all their money. Most people make all their money in the 50s because they've got the experience, they've got the leverage, they've figured out all the stuff, and then they're in the zone. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens for you. You know, there's plenty of people, you said you connected to young people. I think we should focus on your demographic, because believe it or not, some of my absolute most successful case studies, the ones I've taken from a few hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars a year through past $10 million, and in one case, beyond $65 million, they were actually in their 20s. I work really well with people in their late 20s, mid to late 20s, and early 30s. That is the zone where I get the most success because they're the most elastic, the most able to adapt. And the ones who are really savvy understand that someone who's already been out to battle many times and has the scars to prove it can help them win on the battlefield 
versus trying to figure it out themselves. So why don't you speak to your age group and tell us what is the framework or advice you would give to get things done? Like everyone's got their $10 million dream. Unfortunately, there's a lot of 19-year-olds out there driving their Lambo to school, showing off about dropping out, et cetera, because they're now drop shipping phenomenons. That's all bullshit, right? But let's talk real. If you're real, you know, in your mid to late 20s, early 30s, what can you provide them to get them down track from all the things you've learned and talked about on your own Instagram account and research that you've done? Yeah, fantastic question. And, and also, wow, that's incredible. And thanks for sharing that about, you know, your 20s and 30s and 40s, because that definitely puts things into perspective. And that's also why I have a podcast, because I like to listen and learn from people who are much more experienced than I am. So that definitely helps out with my own psychology about where I am in my journey. So so thank you so much for that, James. A uh, big one, really, really big one, a mentor of mine, Whenever you have some kind of uncertainty as far as what you want in your life, he had advised his students to do this really crazy exercise. And then I went out and did it. He said, look, you don't really know what you want out of life. Well, what I advise you to do, and you know, as listeners, you don't have to do this. I'll tell you how to do this in a lighter version. So you don't have to go. And maybe if you're crazy like me, then yeah, definitely do it. He said, go lock yourself in a bathroom for two days and have food and water with you and no technology and write down the answers to the questions. Who am I? What kind of life do I want to live? And who are the people that I want to spend my time with? And you got to get crystal clear on exactly what you like, what you don't like, what you will tolerate, what you won't, what kind of life, like everything, map it out. And that was a very challenging exercise to do. Being in the bathroom for so long, you're like, I feel like I've written down everything that I can possibly write down, but I had to stay in it, I had to stay with it and have the endurance. And I did both days. And I never had more clarity than I ever had in my entire life because I had a sense of purpose. And also I was able to own myself because I feel like I know who I am and I laid out my values and what I'm willing to stand for and what I'm not willing to stand for, not only for myself, but also my relationships as well. However, I will say this, you don't have to lock yourself in the bathroom for two days to reap the benefits from this exercise. As a matter of fact, I did this same exercise maybe seven months prior to me initially doing it. And I was in Las Vegas and in my hotel, I locked myself in the bathroom in there and I, I did it for nine hours. And I found myself rewriting a lot of stuff that I wrote in that bathroom in Vegas. So it will give you a lot of clarity because what happens is you have a lot of ideas in your head that exercise does. It ties everything together. But what it really helps you out is it gives you massive clarity and it gives you a firm sense of purpose. And you know exactly what you want. So you're not focusing on what you don't want. Or like, I, I got to avoid this. You're like, no, I know exactly what I want. I know exactly what kind of people I want. I know exactly what kind of people I don't want. And you're just really mission driven. And now it's easy to make decisions. So easy to make decisions. You're like, wait, does this, what I'm engaging in here, does that align with what I want? No. Does this person represent the people I want to hang out with? No. It's like so easy. It's so crystal clear. So number one, I'd highly recommend take that time to sit down and write out exactly how you want to live your life, the kind of people you want, and who are you and who do you want to become? So that was definitely a big one. There's some more as well if you want to, I'm more than happy to dive into. Well, you know, in over 800 episodes, it's definitely the first time we've heard about the bathroom technique. Make sure it's nice and clean. It's funny, you know, as you're saying that, I'm just reflecting on how things have changed. Firstly, when I started this podcast, you were probably about 12 years old. So <laughs> It just reminds me that as each generation comes through, I mean, you're the same age as my son, right? My oldest, my first son. And I'm lucky that I came up in a generation before the tech. 
because I think we had more space to think about things like that. I remember, you know, you drive around in your car, listening to cassette tapes. You had a lot of time off. As an adult now, I build in time every single day. I'm spending at least two hours of analog time where I'm not anywhere near a device. I'm out on the surfboard. I'm walking along the beach barefoot. I'm immersing myself in nature. It's so critically important. You know, so whether it's a bathroom, whether it's a Vespana retreat, whether it is a log cabin, I've often said, and my friend John Lint, who's my partner in 10X Pro, we often get on the show, we always say you're only one log cabin weekend away from your next big thing, whether it's an info product or a course or whatever. I've created courses in a day many times back in the day. I think you need to disconnect. And for people who need to detox from tech, just keep in mind that that could be a, a symptom or it's a result of not having a healthy balance or routine along the way through. And, you know, as the author of a book, Work Less, Make More, I really feel you can integrate this on an ongoing basis. You can have a sustainable scenario where you build in time. So, for example, you do this crazy thing. I think you are a bit crazy. You have a five o'clock thing. A five o'clock club, a friend of mine says, it just means you go to bed early, right? Because you can't cheat time. So you're probably in bed with milk and cookies at nine o'clock. Like I'm a midnight owl. I'll be up at midnight, probably 11, 12. That's quite normal for me. And then I wake up at seven or eight. So you're already done and run before I wake up, but I was up doing things while you're asleep. <laughs> so I think that's interesting. But if you built in one hour per day of no tech, where you do whatever, some people do transcendental meditation or whatever. I think getting clear is good. And I've often talked about how I like to vision. I visualize. It's as simple as this. I'll just close my eyes and I think about the movie of what I want my life to look like in the future. And this is well before mind movies came out. And I know like 6 million people have done those now. So they're pretty popular. Before the movie, The Secret as well. It's just the idea of visioning. I picked it up from Maxwell Maltz, who did research with basketball players and dart throwers, showing that if they visualize hitting the bullseye mentally before they do the exercise, it actually increases their accuracy. That applies to our life. And I first found out about this actually even before I found out about Maxwell Maltz was from this speaker we had called Gary Hasseldean, I think his name was, but he had a book and it was talking about mind power and stuff. So the classics indicate to us that if we spend time thinking about what the future looks like, then that helps us. Now, can you explain why people are not following through? What are the blockers? And I've got a couple of these things too, where I know I should do something. I don't keep a to-do list. I'm unconventional in that way because that just burdens me and drains me of energy. I hate having a big list of to-dos, so I just don't do it. That's one thing I don't do. But I do have a couple of projects that I'm aware of that, you know, they revisit me from time to time. Someone will prompt me with an email or ask me where I'm up to with this thing, and I'm putting it to the side. Let's talk about some of the reasons why that might be the case, why it hasn't been completed. Yeah, so there's a couple things, right? So we touched on it earlier, which is a big, big, big one is environment. And I'm a really big fan of accountability. As a matter of fact, I have four accountability systems set up. So I have my 5 a.m. call that I have to do, and I have two other accountability systems that I run through by the time it's 6.30 in the morning. And I have a weekly accountability call where I meet up with people every single week and we go over our week. 
So every single day I'm checking in with people. Hey, did you get this done? Did this happen? And I make sure that the people that I have this accountability with, they're also very serious. They're working towards something. And it's just like, hey, we know that nothing's more important right now, at least we're at this stage of our life than our goals and making something amazing happen. So we have those systems set up. But another big thing here is you know, the more you start following through with the things you say you're going to do, like the more you'll start following through with the things you say you're going to do. So for instance, when I first started waking up at five o'clock in the morning, well, I actually wake up at four, I probably failed at that maybe six or seven times. I'd probably do it for a couple of days or one week and then I would stop. And then I thought, okay, well, in order for me to make this happen, how do I make this specific thing a habit? Because the thing is like, we have this voice in our head, like we say, hey, I'm gonna go do this. And there's a part of us that says, yeah, right. You're not gonna do that. Or you might do, I might do it. So what I want to do is I want to get that voice in my head to where no matter what I said I was going to do, I know that I'm going to do it. And I have to rebuild that trust within myself. I have to make sure that my word actually means something to me where I say I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I have to strengthen that. So how do I strengthen that? Why well, do I strengthen it with little things, with little building blocks? I have to build a foundation. By the way, one of my favorite books is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And the reason why that's one of my favorite books is because he says success doesn't come from taking these massive, obvious actions. It comes from taking seemingly insignificant actions consistently over a long period of time. So with that in my head, I figured, okay, well, I can't go from being lazy to working 12 to 14 hour days. And I would love to get to that point, but I can't do that overnight. So let me just take some small, seemingly insignificant actions and let me focus more on the long game here. So I was like, all right, I'm going to be in bed every single day, 830. doesn't matter what day of the year it is. I don't care if it's Christmas, Thanksgiving. I don't care if it's my birthday. I don't care what day it is. I'm in bed 830 no matter what. No questions asked. And obviously I got some backlash on that from family and all that stuff. But I was like, hey, I said I'm going to do this. And I started building that trust in myself. Like, all right, cool. Like my family now know that there's nothing they can make me do that's going to make me miss my bedtime. All right. So now I follow through with that. So then in the mornings, I'm like, all right, let me start writing down my goals every day. I had to do that for a little bit. I had to do that for maybe three or four weeks, but that's all I focused on. Once my bedtime was down, I just focused on that. And it's just, it's a slow build. It's very slow. Just understanding like, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to make a big change overnight, but give me about 30, maybe 60 days of just, let me just follow through with these little tiny habits first. Let me build that trust with myself. And then I get what Darren Hardy calls the big mo, which is big momentum. And that's what I'm looking for. But it starts with the little snowball. Just it takes some effort to push down the hill at first and then let that gain momentum. And then before you know it, you have like it takes about 90 days to really build that strong trust in yourself and to really follow through with your word. But in order to start following through, you got to start with the very, very small things. Yeah, like it reminds me of the little fun that I have on Spider-Man's catchphrase. Do you know what Spider-Man's saying is? I don't. I think he says, um, with great power comes great responsibility. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah. So therefore, I figure it must be true. With great responsibility comes great power. And the concern I have when I'm coaching people often is they're not taking responsibility for themselves. I love what you said about the voice inside us. We don't believe it. I see that. Someone might say, oh, let's go surfing first thing in the morning. And then they will say, yeah, yeah, I'll see you there. And I think, not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Their little voice is going to get them out. It's going to be too tempting to sleep in the warm, toasty bed. 
which is what I do, by the way. I've read so much about sleep and so forth that I understand for me, I need to wake up without an alarm clock. I need to just naturally wake up when my eyes open, which is also very hard to do if you have children, but you can try and synchronize that if possible. If they do keep waking up early, you just go to bed early, like you said. So I actually set a stop time at 10 o'clock. My alarm used to beep and that was time to down tools no matter what, because a lot of these entrepreneurs, they're buried into their laptop or whatever they're doing, Netflixing or Facebooking or clubhousing, and they just keep going. And there's such a hangover effect for me. If I stay up past midnight like Cinderella, my chariot turns into a pumpkin and I don't feel good the next day. I, I feel this sleep lag. So yeah, it's really interesting what you said about that inner voice. I think if you can take responsibility and step up and control and own your own actions, like they talk about making your bed first thing in the morning, having that discipline. I was doing this sort of experiment where as it gets a bit cooler, it's sometimes a bit hard to go into the ocean, that first sort of duck dive where you get the cold water over your face. And I was starting to think about Wim Hof and the mental discipline of owning your physical responses to stimulus, like people talk about having cold showers. I think people are playing at a mediocre level by default, and it's a matter of tuning. And my wish for someone who's listening to this podcast, and I'll ask you yours in a minute, so you got a bit of warning. My wish is that they would, firstly, if they're pitching people to be on podcasts, they go about it in a unique way. Secondly, that if they are at any stage in the journey from 20s through to 50, they will know that surrounding yourself with the right environment is very important. And thirdly, that it's very, very critical to take back ownership of yourself. We're in an age where media wants to control what you think. Governments, politics want to control the way you think. People around you, more aggressive marketers than you or more forceful partners or relationships will want to control how you think and react. Like you probably got people wanting to tell you what time you should go to bed. You want to go to bed at 8.30 and like, oh, come on, Greg, don't be such a namby-pamby. You stay up with us. Let's go drinking. You know, you could be cool like us and you have to step in and say, no, I'm in the driver's seat of Greg. So I'm going to do what's right for Greg. And that means I'm doing my thing even if it doesn't please you or make you happy about what you want me to do. But ultimately, if you step up for yourself, then life can be better. And certainly my mentor, one of the most significant mentors I had, taught me about no compromise. And sometimes that means not just going along with the flow or doing what everyone else wants you to do. It's being true to yourself. So now, Greg, to round us out and to just ride in with the good stuff here, this is your chance to soapbox and close us out on this episode. You got the last say. I hope you enjoyed the opportunity you created for yourself on coming onto this show. But let's leave our listener with something meaningful and deliver on that promise that you made to me in, in the voicemail message that you're going to help my listeners follow through. What have you got for us? Beautiful. Well, again, thank you so much, James, for having me on. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. So here's the big thing, okay? We've got to realize that we have cognitive biases in our brain, right? Which basically means we have mental shortcuts that our brain takes that make it easier to make decisions. And what those cognitive biases do, they're not designed for us to necessarily thrive. You see, over hundreds of thousands of years, our ancestors have figured out ways and little mental shortcuts that we have to take that were really designed to help us survive, so we have many cognitive biases that are designed for survival. And today it's so easy to survive 
but we still have those in our brain. We still take those same decisions, right? There's a big bias called temporal discounting, which basically means that we will have a bias, a tendency to lean more towards feeling good now than later. And the reason that is, is because when our ancestors were surviving, they had to take all action they possibly can to survive now because there was no guarantee of survival later. And that still lives with us today. Like we make decisions to really fill us up right now. And that's, we have to first be aware of it, right? So understand that. And once we understand that, now we can really figure out ways and set up systems for ourselves to combat that. So a big thing here is understanding that the brain always wants to take the easy path, the path of least resistance. And in order for us to overcome that, exactly what I said before in terms of following through with little things, but a big thing that comes a part of that is we have to make pre-decisions. Like if I am eating healthy, if I make decisions to eat healthy, I know, okay, at at 5 p.m., I'm going to eat this specific meal. If I don't make the decision and if I have a decision, if I'm hungry and I'm like, ah, man, I want something right now, guess what? I'm not going to look in the refrigerator for a salad or something like that. Most likely, I'm going to look for something that's easy, that's quick, that looks delicious because I want to get that fixed. So I have to make the decision beforehand to make sure that I'm going to do this specific thing. So we have two different hats. One of my mentors, his name is John Sonmez. He says, we have our entrepreneur hat, which is basically the planner hat, right? We put on that hat and we say, all right, this is what we're going to do. At this time, we're going to do this specific thing and you know, plan out our days or we plan out our weeks and like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. We put on an entrepreneur hat, we plan it out and make sure everything makes sense. And then we have our worker hat. So once we're done planning and everything makes sense and we have pre-made our decisions already, then we have a worker hat on. Now the worker in us, now that's a person who's maybe not thinking so high level. That's a person who's in the muck, who's doing the thing. And when you have that hat on, you have to 100% just do what your entrepreneur hat said to do. And you, you can't question it. You have to say, listen, that person made this plan knowing full I have to have full trust in this person that they had made a good decision for me that I'm supposed to be doing this thing right now. And you got to execute. But again, I would suggest, number one, we mess up. Understand that you are a human being. We are humans. And the worst thing you can possibly do is really make it hell in your brain. So don't beat yourself up when you're building this muscle where you really follow through with your word and your word means everything. You're going to mess up and that's okay. Just don't beat yourself up over that. Every day you declare victory and you say, all right, well, what went well today? What did I do well today? Did you work when you didn't feel like working? Even if it was for five minutes, like maybe you meditated for three minutes, little things, you got to celebrate the little things. You got to build yourself up and that's going to take some time. And as you're building up, when you put on that entrepreneur hat, then that worker gets stronger and that, you know, it's like a muscle. Discipline's like a muscle. You go to the gym for the first time, you're not going to be able to curl a bunch of weight. But over time, through consistency, you will build muscle. But think about building muscle. Is that something that happens in two weeks? Is that something that happens in three weeks? It takes time. So breathe, be patient, enjoy the journey the entire way through. Look around and be like, all right, you know what? Be proud of yourself for the actions you are taking. Be proud for the little things you are following through with. And before you know it, you're going to have big mo on your side. And it's going to be like, you're going to be crushing it. And you know what? You'll get to the point, And this is what I really enjoy. You'll get to the point where it's harder for you to not take action than it will be for you to take action because you follow through so much with your word and what you say to where it's hard for you to be like, if I break it once, I'm going to keep breaking it. And I refuse to go back to that part where I was before. So it's slow. Celebrate the little things. Enjoy the process all the way through. The journey is the reward. 
Okay, you mess up, that's all right. How can we prevent that next time? How can we get better the next day and make it a nice place for us to live inside our head? So that's what I got for you, James. Nice, Craig. You love this stuff, don't you? Oh, 100%. I bet your parents are proud of you. So (laughs) be interesting to see where your journey takes you. What are you most excited about? Oh, man, you know, actually extremely excited about just really quick. I grew up in a household that had domestic violence. My dad went to prison four times. My mom didn't graduate from high school. My favorite uncle used to literally snort cocaine in my living room growing up. And, um, you know, there's a CEO of a really elite level mastermind. I had him on my podcast recently and he invited me to an event that they're running in Vegas in April. And he's the CEO of this big mastermind. He gave me his phone number. I couldn't believe it. And one thing that's really awesome about that as well is I recently booked the founder of Reebok on my podcast and I introduced the guy who's the CEO of the mastermind to the founder of Reebok. And now he's going to be on his podcast. And one thing I really, really love is connecting people. One thing I really love is helping people out the best I can. There's no way that I should be where I am considering the background that I have. So my network is, is everything and I love building relationships and I'm so grateful to be where I am today. Yeah, I don't know about uh, there's no reason why you can't be there. I think that's a mental construct (laughs) worth challenging. Was the guy you're talking about Roland? Yeah, it was Roland. Yeah, on your uh, Instagram, I noticed actually quite a few of my own customers on there as well that you've had a chat to. So your network is very important. I totally agree with you there. When I could travel, I did travel a lot, you know, especially the last decade building relationships. I've met Roland many times. Him and I had a coffee outside the back of my house a few years back before they started doing conferences over here. Very knowledgeable man and uh, a good connection for you. So I like what you said about the pre-choice. I've got a little list on my refrigerator of acceptable things that I could eat if I'm hungry because I understand that our inner dinosaur, you know, wants us to just grab sugar. It's like if you're running around with your spear hunting and you see a bush with berries on it, according to the book Sapiens that I read, our natural urge is to just load up on the carbs because you might not see that for a few days. So you have to take what you can when you can. That's why we have this addiction to sugary fast foods, apparently, which I'm not an expert on. So don't hold me to it. The hats thing, that was a really interesting mental model that you could use. I can see how that would work. It reminds me of one I talk about with Dean Jackson, who's our, our next guest, is um, doing things now for my future self. That's like me putting on a hat now to look after the other hat version of me down the track. It's why when my schedule rolled around today and you were in it, I'd already prepared. This was arranged over a month ago, and then I haven't thought about it since, and then it just appeared. So past James and past Greg organized this event for us. I'm glad we got to do this. I actually think my audience are going to like this show because you've got a lot of humility. You're out there. What we say in Australia, you say in America, hustling, right? I don't like that term. It's a very negative term for us. But what we would say here is we'd say you're having a go. You're having a go. Greg's having a go. Good on you, mate. And thank you. This is episode 809. You better tell us where we can go and look at all this rich tapestry of material on Instagram or wherever else you want to direct us, Greg. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thank you. Um, You can find me on Instagram. That's Greg Santos, G-R-E-G-S-A-N-T-0-S. Also, if you'd like to join my 5 a.m. call, it's 100% free. It's uh, 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's called The Morning Hustlers. So you can go to morninghustlers.com and you can join the Zoom link. It's 15 minutes. You get to join the Zoom room with me and ambitious people from around the world. We talk some personal development, send you off, and uh, we do it every single day of the year. So I hope to see you in there. 
be really interesting to see what you're up to in a few years from now. Make sure you check in with me. I'll stay connected on the Instagram. And uh, good luck, mate. Thank you so much, James. Appreciate you, man. All right. That's it. Episode 809. We will put a little show notes with a summary of what we've talked about today. And we'll also fully transcribe this episode. You can get it from superfastbusiness.com. Until next time. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com. Thank you.